1: Hello, everybody. John Hangdorf here with another special program here on the Radio Show Limited network of channels. It's a grey, overcast, and rainy day, and I'm headed to Silverstone, just down the road from Hangdorf Towers, and to the technology park rather than the racetrack today. You know, we've always said, haven't we, that we're very fortunate here in the UK to have what I call the carbon form fibre triangle. Uh, a spot in the centre of the UK where pretty much any motorsport or automotive project could be taken on and done with people that you can pretty much throw a wheel nut to from a supplier to supplier. Well, today we've come to one of those artisan companies, and I use that word uh, advisedly, and that performance project for this inside story.
0: The inside story on the teams, suppliers and circuits. Inside. Right, well,
1: I'm going to get in out of the rain here, so let's uh, knock on the door and see who opens the door. Hello. Hello, John. How are you? I'm very well. Introduce yourself for the listeners, please.
0: Hi, I'm Terence Goad, and I'm one of the owners of Performance Projects.
1: First of all, thank you for answering the door so quickly, because it was horrible, (laughs) Uh, horrible out there at the moment performance projects as i said in our opening there which you wouldn't have heard because i was outside uh, part of this motorsport valley carbon fiber triangle set of artisan companies in the uk which is an extraordinary resource for automotive and motorsports Um, describe performance projects then if if I was looking on your website, what's the one-liner? Not a mission statement, but what's the, the one-liner? How do you describe yourselves?
0: We tend to help other companies, motorsport companies mainly, um, with their projects. So very often working in the background, which is why you wouldn't have heard of us. Um, but we provide very often what we'd call a white label projects. So we make it, but it's presented by the uh, customers.
1: How big, how small, how intricate and from where in the process? Clean sheet of paper or clean screen is, of course, it will be now. So we're
0: talking design, development, engineering, production? Um, Pretty much everything we can do. Um, For instance, when we're working for the F1 teams, um, they want just design from us. We've got a very good reputation for that. Um, We've done some even scheming work, white, white sheet of paper please lay out the front end of a car, for example, was not that long ago for us, um, to companies who they just want the whole project to happen. So they've got an idea from the marketing department or something, for for example, Mm -hmm. Um, very often these projects are marketing-led, not engineering Mm department-led, and they they have no resources themselves to turn around a project like this, so they come with us from an idea and we will deliver the finished vehicle, and with our partners, for instance, guys across the road, um, actually run the whole the show, the, the PR show as well. Ah, oh, great, right. OK. Now,
1: as our listeners can probably hear, we're in a garage area uh, down here which has an eclectic mix of vehicles, um, all of which have been um, seen some attention from performance projects. Uh, uh, there's a Morgan three-wheeler here which has... G56, which is Garage 56, and that, and that proudly says the home of Garage 56, outside.
0: Yes, yeah, Garage 56 is our um, sort of more customer-facing company, sister company, and we, we sell to the public, um, Morgan three-wheeler owners mainly, um, sort of aftermarket parts for the Morgan three-wheeler, so we go faster stuff for the exhaust, stage one, stage two kits. Hang on, hang on.
1: Morgan three-wheelers. All right, this is a relatively new Morgan three-wheeler. Uh, th- this is the, the the current version of the car, but they go back a very long way, and you're build, still building go-faster bits for a car that is over 50 years old.
0: Well, yes, the, the, what you see here is the modern interpretation of it, so they recreated it. Eight years ago, I think, it came out on the market, um, and we wanted to get involved in selling our stuff to, uh, and touting our business, because the problem is our business is uh, all white label, so nobody mm-hmm. knew about us. So mm-hmm. we thought, well, let's demonstrate what we can do. So this project started off just as a one-off, <laughs> um, and we chose the Morgan Three-Wheeler because it's very iconic, it's recognisable, um, and our demonstrator project was... So good that uh, we decided actually to go into production with it all. <laughs>
1: well, I can see some carbon fibre um, mud guards, and I'm, I am going to call them mud guards because that's exactly what they are. That doesn't look like a standard exhaust coming out of the engine, which sits, of course, right on the front axle on a Morgan three wheel.
0: Yes, yes, the, um, that actually that exhaust makes a big difference to the uh, performance of this car, in particular, um, and the carbon fibre mud guards we. At first, we were very sceptical. We thought, why would people do that? Yes, it's lighter, but you know, big deal. Um, but actually, it makes uh, quite a big difference to the ride and handling of the car as well. Because of
1: aerodynamics,
0: because of it's a it's a sprung mass on the end and the end of the suspension. Yes, yes, it's the unsprung mass. Um, we save about four kilos per wheel. Really, yes, yeah, yeah, so um, they kept car- it's a carbon fiber with a carbon kevlar lining uh, to help protect it from you know rocks and stones and whatever else have you, and w- we were we were quite surprised ourselves actually how big a difference it made to the handling
1: I love it i love I love the fact that you 've managed to uh, combine um, old and new in technology there um, those are bits and pieces of a project next to it here is. Uh, well this looks like it's been beamed in from the future Um, it is a well you tell me what it is I'm not even sure how to describe it it's got little tractor tyres at the the back bigger tractor tyres at the front uh, nowhere for anyone to sit Um, so it's obviously a working vehicle and it clearly must be either remote
0: controlled or robotic this is an extraordinary looking thing looks like it's come off a film set uh, yeah, normally uh, people think it's a Batmobile, the off road Batmobile. <laughs> Very product. good. It's, um, it's an electric autonomous tractor. Uh, this was a project that was uh, government backed by, through Niche Vehicle Network, actually, um, for a company that does, called Dyneum Robot, that do autonomous systems. Mm-hmm. And what was, um, w- w- we, when you put an autonomous system on a, on a tractor, the whole way you work changes. You don't have a bloke that wants lunch breaks. You don't want a bloke who just wants to work um, eight hours or something. So when you look through all of that, it completely changes what a tractor actually is. Um, so you change it from being a big vehicle because you want to work quickly to a much smaller vehicle because you can work more efficiently. Um, and we ended up with something that I, I, I think it's uh, we take it as a compliment that virtually no one recognizes it as a tractor because you've really rethought the whole design
1: because you've got been able to go back to first principles because there are certain things you don't need like a cab for a bloke like air conditioning um like various other bits and pieces of, of creature comforts but what i do notice is if i walk around here you've got all the usual fixtures and fittings for you've got a pto power take off there at the back you've got uh, a tow hitch you've got various mounting points so this is very much then able to interface with equipment that a, a farmer would already have for a conventional tractor
0: yes yeah it, the um Dynam robot they really switched on with how how something would work not just technically but commercially as well and they wanted to have something which we worked with them with this as well something that the farmer would work you could, The farmers will have their Excel spreadsheets. They'll be working out the costings. It's got to work. And if we can use their existing implements, Mm. then obviously that's a huge cost saving for them instead of just buying an all-new, very specific vehicle. This can do sort of, you know, with the tow hitch, you can just be towing uh, trailers around, maybe Mm -hmm. just pulling feed around the the, the farm or something, helping at harvest time. Um, But it's got the PTO to power mowers or muck spreaders or whatever else it is that you want Brilliant. Uh, Two
1: motors, one either side, uh, just sitting behind the wheels there. So that's interesting. Does that give you the option of of going back to my trials days? Is that a bit like fiddle brakes then, so you could steer it with the the motors at the back as well as the
0: steering at the front? Yes, yes. Well spotted. Um, Yeah, we can do torque vectoring with it Um, because of the sort of work it needs to do. It's got to be able to go around reasonably tight corners. So if you can talk vector, you can sort of really swing the vehicle around, mm-hmm. um, get around those corners. And also it, it frees up the, the uh, space between the, um, between the wheels to put a battery pack. Very good point. Which is what half this vehicle is. So you started with nothing for this other than a brief. So Correct. literally everything that I'm
1: seeing here came out of performance projects and the, is the, the product of your imagination your engineering know-how and your practical ability.
0: Yes, yes. I suppose it is a bit like motorsport, actually. I was thinking about this recently... Um, where well, I was going to say it's about a far cry from motorsport and go faster bits on a Morgan or some of the other things that I know that you do. That is, is you could go. But the principles as what you're saying here is similar. Yes, yeah. I mean, when you're doing, you know, especially of F1, you look at the regulations, you look at what <laughs> you're allowed to do, what you're not allowed to do, and you read between the lines and, and you start afresh from that. You don't, if you start off with a preconceived idea of what an F1 car should be, if you're just looking at last year's Ferrari, for example, or uh, um, Mercedes, you're just going to recreate the same. When you look at, re-look at really what it is you're trying to achieve, then you come up with something very, very different.
1: And, of course, you've got no regulations in this situation, so it didn't have to look, sound, smell or feel like a, like a tractor. I, I do like this sort of stealthy cover on the top, <laughs> which uh, very much... Um, is, is, is all angles, is there a practical reason
0: for that or is, is that pure styling? Uh, pure styling, we need, we need a, there is some practicality in it it needs to be able to sort of brush past um, branches oh, and whatever cool, else yes. have you without snagging um, the coolers on it are really big because you don't want because it's a, generally when you're working it's very dusty so coolers get clogged up really quickly um, but basically we said, look, we, we, we asked a Dynam Robot Look, what, we've got to put a cowl on it to protect everything underneath it. What do you want to look at it? Anita sent one image of a Lamborghini Aventador, I think it was, <laughs> and said, "Make it look like that." So, well, uh, Lamborghini detractors originally, didn't they? So, uh,
1: and still do, and they're very expensive. Great project, great project, and uh, just proof—if proof were needed—of the uh, the variety that comes out of the experience uh, and the the cleverness of of Motorsport Valley here in the UK of the Carbon Fibre Triangle. Um, I didn't ask, is this remote control, GPS? Um, Do you have to
0: have it learn where it's going to go? How is it controlled? You can control it. I think they use a PlayStation controller. Oh, very cool. Other games consoles are available. (laughs) um, But actually, it's fully autonomous. So it'll... And that is what has unlocked the potential of Certainly, battery technology is that you, you're not beholden to a guy being paid per hour and only being able to work a few, certain number of hours per day. It can work more slowly um, and therefore more efficiently. Does that and, mean it can do different jobs
1: and a wider variety of jobs
0: that, frankly, a
1: bloke on a tractor, if he was going that slow, would be rather too bored to do?
0: Yes, I mean, it's going to be a, I think autonomous technology is going to be a, a game changer for. For farming, and of course, because it's on private land, the uh, this can be done. All, you know, it's it, we can do it now. We don't have to wait for legislation ah, a, a and safety. Yes, of course, you don't have sort of uh, pedestrians walking around fields. Yeah, indeed. Uh, but presumably, it has co- collision avoidance, and it, it, it
1: you know, uh, you, you say it's fully autonomous. So, does it see in the? In the broader
0: sense of the word, yes, yes. It's um, it, this one navigates with navig- um, vision-based, so it's actually seeing, wow. um, so it can see where it goes. I mean, it, it, it's got to be able to do that because otherwise it would crash into trees and things. <laughs> so, uh, so it has to be able to do that. Interesting project. This. Did you enjoy being a part of it? And and
1: and where will it go from here? Because it seems to me that this is not the end, but
0: purely the beginning of something. Yes, very much so. I, it was probably the most interesting project i've done um you've been in motorsport and automotive for quite a while haven't you oh yes <laughs> yes yeah yeah it was really interesting because it's all it's all new to us and it was a real chance to sort of sh- show off demonstrate how innovative you can be not for the sake of innovation but because there was a true business sense to it um, it has mm. to really serve a purpose um you know this thing is electric um, battery electric it's got a 70 kilowatt hour battery pack on it so fairly sizable um, and it wasn't about it's electric because the business has to work it's not about virtue signaling having an electric car on your drive mm. a farmer is only going to buy this if it works out yes financially otherwise he's going to be buying red diesel yes and when you're up against red diesel boy you've got so, you know that's, for, that's a very that's cheap, cheap
1: form of diesel, by the way, for those of you outside the UK. And the reason it's called red diesel is because it has a dye in it, because you're not allowed to use it on road-going vehicles, because it doesn't attract the same amount of duty. It is for work and farm vehicles only. What's the biggest challenge on this, Terence, in, in terms of, of what you had to deliver and, and how you went about it?
0: Um, actually, bizarrely enough, was trying to get suppliers to realise what we were wanting, wanted <laughs> to do. Um, the axle manufacturer, you know, we were looking at standard axles, um, and the, the axle manufacturers just kept coming back to us with specification sheets and asking us, what are we trying to do? And they kind of wouldn't believe us. So um, the front axle is not is our own custom design, and the hubs are not from a tractor, and the rears are, well, it's torque vectoring. Not many tractors have Ooh. that, so it's, um, we had to sort of, yeah, give them the heave-ho. Which was quite good because, I mean, maybe we were wandering um, into sort of the, the accepted technologies, but we ended up being forced to, that, uh, to a better design. Yes, exactly, to a better design,
1: to a more um, relevant design. Excellent stuff, and exactly, of course, what you'd expect from people who have their, uh, their feet well and truly in the motorsport pond as well. We're at Performance Projects uh, on the Silverstone Technology Park. This is an inside story. Stay with us, we've got more coming in a moment or two.
0: Inside.
1: Go Faster Bits for Morgan Three Wheelers, a clean sheet design for a fully autonomous electric tractor that is absolutely can be integrated into current farm machinery technology. That's a pretty wide spread of projects taken on by our Inside Story today, performance projects. Uh, Torrance is with me now, and we've, we're still downstairs, but at least I've now found something that I feel slightly more comfortable talking about, because it's a race car steering wheel, or at least it's a steering wheel, that i could see on a racing car Uh, this is a multi-function paddle shift carbon fiber let's call it a bow tie steering wheel because it's not a full uh, round of a steering wheel a full circle but this is what you see in gt3 and gt4 cars so i'm fairly well acquainted with with this tell me the story behind you guys getting involved in in steering wheels then and and again the challenges because here, we've got all kinds of different challenges. Electrical, mechanical, design, functionality, yeah. uh, presumably safety, cost, uh, weight issues
0: as well. It's a fairly fundamental part of any car, particularly a race car or track car. Yes, and it's also particularly emotive. If you can imagine, Ooh, if, if you're designing something, you know, a suspension arm or something, then technicians will see it, but there it goes. These steering wheels we've realised are, are picked up by everybody everybody goes "Ooh, that's nice and they play with it and they tinker with it and they examine it um like no other component on a car so uh well it's your, it's your first point of contact
1: unless you've opened all right you've opened the door you've sat down you've got yourself in a car even a, a road car the next thing you're probably going to touch is either something to start the car and that would be on here but then you the thing you're touching the most is the steering wheel. And particularly nowadays, and listen. Paddle shift. Beautifully machined paddles as well. Listen, I want to do that again because it is actually very satisfying. Oh. See, that breathes, to me, quality straight away. So this is the interface between driver and machine. And as I say, you probably touch that more than anything else.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah. And... Um it had to be right, absolutely right. Um,
1: what got you here at Performance Product uh, Project into uh, into steering
0: wheels? Then, well, we, we've we've been working behind the scenes now for ten years, pretty much. Um, you know, supporting motorsport, so we're we're quite well known. Um, and some guys we knew uh, from uh, from this team uh, manufacturer said uh, we need a new steering wheel. Can you help us? So he said, Yeah, we'll take a look, and um, it just snowballed from there, really. We were able to supply them with a really nice bit of kit, custom designed for them. It's got their branding on it, it's not a proprietary steering wheel. Um, Because there are people who make steering wheels, and if you go back down through the ages,
1: particularly if you're into classic cars, and I know you are, because we're standing next to a very nice little Austin Haley that is uh, sitting beside us as well in a very lovely dark maroon colour, which I like a lot. That's proper dark red, that. So, you know steering wheel manufacturers, long before steering wheels were anything other than a steering wheel, yeah. plenty of them, and aftermarket wheels down through the years was some people would like, "Oh, I want to I remember when I first started right, oh, I need a deep dish wheel because, yeah. <laughs> I, because I, like, I like to have my hands bent, so you would get something with a different boss or a different spoke pattern or you'd, or you'd get something with a thicker rim that was that was the next thing oh, no, thicker rims that 's better so they 've been around for a long time, but this is not what we 're talking about here we 're talking about a piece of of Automotive
0: technology now, because of all the things that has to be controlled here. Yes, yes. So this this one's got a, about a dozen push buttons on it. You've then got the uh, gear gear paddles on the back, and you've got rotary knobs on the front, and they're all sort of aerospace military spec buttons as well. They're not sort of a, your cheapo 50p switches. <laughs> all on very long lead time, which makes the manufacture quite difficult because uh, when you're sort of supplying you know steering wheels in the hundreds. And uh, you've got you know a dozen buttons on there. That's over a thousand buttons you've got to order, mm. months before you can even start to build the steering wheels. So, uh, yeah, you've got a lot of a uh, duff stock on your shelves if uh, the supply if the if your customer then just changes their mind as to what s- switch they want to have.
1: S- so. <laughs> In terms of starting from, again, let's talk about a clean sheet of paper. Let's say a Hindoff Motorcars yep. decides to, uh, it's going to go to market with um, a very expensive and exclusive uh, tractor car yep. to start with. And therefore, it wants a steering wheel that will allow its uh, very wealthy customers... Let's hope. I'm I'm thinking profit already here. Um, Very wise. To 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 control every aspect of the car, whether that's starting the car up, whether that's degrees of traction control, ABS, uh, potentially engine maps, other functions, as simple as wash wipe. Yeah. Uh, lights, indicators, flashes, etc. Because you tend not to have stalks on racing cars or, or track day cars. Right, so I've come to you and said this is here's my car, this is going to be fantastic. I need a steering wheel. What's what's the procedure then from there on? You you're
0: going to take a brief and then move on from there? Yes, yeah. I mean it's really important to understand what the customer wants, what the manufacturer wants, and also ultimately what their customers, what their drivers yes. Are going to what what what's going to sort of make them excited about getting in the car i mean as you said you know lots of people are making s- steering wheels it's a it's a crowded market um you know we've got to be producing something which is absolutely spot on because otherwise we won't be producing one one steering wheel um so uh yeah finding out exactly what they want and making sure that the quality is absolutely spot on as well and um- Literally from a single bespoke item, although yep. normally you'd
1: have a couple because you'd want a spare, wouldn't you? Because no point going out in your expensive car and a tractor, even if it is a one-off prototype and finding out that you need to change it because a bit of water's got in or, or something like that, um, to uh, not series production, presumably, but to what? Tens, twenties, hundreds? Uh, hundreds.
0: Really? Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Are we allowed to mention this manufacturer? No. See the 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 joy of being on radio is that I can point at that steering wheel and I can see, quite clearly see who that's for. Oh. No. Okay, well, that's all right. <laughs> but that's all right. Bit of intrigue. The listener loves that. Uh, Let I want to walk, walk onto this uh, bench here, which has got various uh, bits and pieces on, and that I presume is a three D printer.
0: It is. Yes. Yes. What engineering company doesn't have a three D printer nowadays? Uh, what now is that used in the manufacturing process or for fast prototyping? No, that's used for prototyping. Um, we've got some upstairs actually. Uh, we're, we're developing a new steering wheel, um, we've got to keep moving, and we're making mock-ups, test pieces, to check the ergonomics of our new designs. Mm. And we're uh, yeah, refining it from there.
1: Ultimately, do you have to make some compromises? Because not everybody has the same size hands, not everybody has the same length of fingers. Or the You know, I ride a motorbike, and most motorbikes, for a very long time now, have had the ability for you to be able to move the levers closer or further away from the handlebars so that the stretch suits
0: you. That's not something that you can do on the fly on a steering wheel. Uh, no, but we can build them up with different specifications. So on that steering wheel, I think we've got three different types of uh, gear shift lever that we can offer the customer depending on what suits their what suits their Hands and what suits their preferences. Really?
1: Yeah. So it goes down to that level, even on a one that you might produce several of, you've got some, well, of course, any car nowadays, you've got to have options. They have to be personal yep. to the the driver. And this, this is people who are going to drive these cars in anger, uh, have a
0: bit of fun with them, and they're going to be shelling out a lot of money. They will be, yes, yes. Uh, so we've got to make sure it's a, a good bit of kit we're giving them. And one of the things that these, these um, steering wheels have is that they've, they're, it's a can. They're, the interface with the vehicles can can right. system. So you've got countless dials and switches on that thing. You, you haven't got, you know, a massive wiring loom going through the steering wheel. Oh, goodness. Th- thank. I don't think you'd be able to turn the steering column if you had to turn all those <laughs> cables. So so you've got a basically a microprocessor, um, a PCB in there, and it's taking all the signals from all the all the controls on the steering, on the steering wheel, and converting it just onto. The, putting it onto the can stream, mm. which is basically uh, your car area network just a bit like your wireless network at home and it's but it 's a wired network specifically for cars and what um, it means is it can send little packets
1: of data. Um, lots of different packets of data down the same connection, virtually at the same time, and it can intermingle things. And then the various control units that need those bits of information at the other end, they sort out the information and do it, rather than having to have one, or if you don't have an earth, uh, two cables to each switch, and therefore to each piece of functionality. And that was a massive step forward in automotive um, that. Came from motorsport and and was rapidly taken up by the automotive industry.
0: Yep, yep. And uh, we've now we actually now produce our own um, um, board for that. It's our own oh, really? own bit of kit. Yes, we the earlier earlier things we were buying them in, but now we make it ourselves, developed and made it ourselves. So um, so hang on a minute. Even just encapsulated in that steering wheel, very
1: lovely though it is, and I'm sure very expensive because it's going onto a very expensive car. So we've got elements of design. Ergonomics, we have got electrical engineering, mechanical engineering, and then production engineering going on on top of that as well. And you
0: do you do all of the, those here? Yes, yes. Um, all, all the design and the oversight is done here, and the assembly is done here. And it's just sort of having parts machined, for example, and the carbon fiber moldings are done externally as well. Mm. Um, you know, we can't be um, a, a jack of all trades. We can't do everything. There, there are guys out there, other companies in the. Uh, Silicon Valley, or the uh, Motorsport Valley, yeah. or Silicon Valley. Sorry, carbon yeah. um, fibre triangle. Yep. Uh, fibre triangle. Yeah, yeah. Um, who are very good at turning these out, you know. And uh, we can't. It's very important that we stick to what we're good at, and uh, what you know, what other guys are good at, we let them do it.
1: Let's have a wander upstairs. Sure. Uh, stay with us. We're on uh, an inside story. With her, we're at Performance Projects, uh, on the Silverstone Technology Park, and uh, we're going to move upstairs to the well. I suppose you'd call it the nerve centre of what goes on here.
0: Inside,
1: right as you probably can hear, we've moved upstairs into what I described as the nerve centre. Uh, this is uh, not a company of five thousand people. Terence, uh, very clever,
0: clever people, but working cleverly as well. Smart work from smart people. Yes, yeah, we're closer to five people, not five thousand. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and when we um, when the big projects come on, we sort of take on uh, con- contractors, contract staff um, to keep the overhead down. I mean, that's the sort of balance that works well, best for our um, for the for the projects that we do. For sure, we could have uh, you know, we could have more employees, but the, the overheads bigger, and the, the end the end result is it costs more to the customer.
1: Keeping it nimble as well means yeah. that dynamically you can move quickly. And a lot of the stuff that you're doing, I presume you're doing on computers, that's what we've got up here. There's some, there, I'm delighted to see, by the way, and I know some people who will be very happy about this, a proper drawing board with proper
0: clips for proper pieces of paper up here as well. Do you know, That's one of my favourite bit of, bit of bits of kit in here. It cost me a pound. <laughs> the, the, the paint cost a tenner. <laughs> it's good to see that there's a nice blend of, of
1: new and old up here as well right introduce me to a couple of people up here and tell me what they do
0: this is uh, Chris Horton he looks after the business side of it he's co-owner of the uh, company Chris thanks for having me here today um, I've already learned a massive amount
1: uh, about what you do here at Performance Projects um, I, I asked Terence to describe what you do and, and it's fairly far-reaching Um Business-wise, where are you looking for business? Who are your potential
2: clients? Uh, Well, almost exclusively our business is business-to-business. So we look at uh, mainly it's it's OEMs, people looking to design uh, new platforms, have a requirement for new technology and uh, new implementations. Um, So... As, as you know from your discussion with Terence, uh, the very innovative world of, 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 of new test beds, uh, the electric tractor becoming one of those, and also within motorsport, the OEM-led environment, particularly GT3 and touring car and, all, and those kinds of environments that um, are quite keen to capitalise on, on some of the unique resource we have. Is it, I've learned already
1: that you can take something from nothing to a finished article, like that, that um, autonomous tractor, Or you can do things that are much more tightly focused, like a steering wheel. Still a big project, but clearly only one part of something bigger. Does that make your life easier or harder to say to people, this is what we do?
2: Yeah, it's very hard to encapsulate that in a punchy statement. Um, But we we, we tend to do... Uh, core of mechanical design or electromechanical design so if it has um um a a requirement to be new and innovative and and therefore use some of the new technologies uh it's it's that falls into our domain so we're very flexible in what we design it's more the basis of whether it has this mechanical or electromechanical basis and i like the idea of challenging
1: the norm obviously you were able to do that with the automotive tractor because you didn't need to put a person in it it didn't need to have a big uh, diesel engine in it so you were able to do something that probably doesn't look like anybody's thought of a tractor and that clearly is was one of that vehicle's selling points do you apply that Philosophy, for want of a better word, to the other things you do. Like, for example, we've got some steering wheels uh, that we've looked at, and we've got some designs on the go down here. And I won't mention any of the manufacturers here. I've been told about that already. That's fine. Good job we're on radio. Um, can you do that? Is it more difficult to do that when people expect now that a steering wheel looks for a GT car or a Formula car looks rather like the one that's sitting up on the on the drawing board there? Uh,
2: To a degree, it depends on the customer, um, but a lot of the time we're we're generally asking about what they want to achieve, what do they want it to do, and and more often than not, the customer has quite definitive views on what they want to do, how they want it to feel, or what um, sort of new features, or or features that they think can be improved, and when we focus on what they want to do, we then enable that and make that happen. So the, the customer engagement from the beginning is really important, because... Uh, they, want, they want this unique solution to them and they want to solve the particular challenge. So for steering wheels, for instance, it had to have the DNA of the manufacturer that we're, we were working on um, in it, um, but it also wanted to be, they were very proud of some of the features of, of previous incarnations, but also had some key items that they really wanted to get right for the next one. And so a combination of asking the questions and then using what we do uh, enables them to get something that they're very happy about. And, and the nuts and bolts of that behind the scenes, uh, the customers just want, to happen they they want the finished goods and that's what we can do it's often said that a, uh, a, a
1: well educated customer or client is the best one to have what you don't want is somebody saying oh I'll just knock something up you'd much rather have a brief to work with is what you see
2: yeah and and, and- the old sort of engineering um saying of 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 the three whys of why do you want to do this and why 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 eventually um and and for a knowledgeable customer you very quickly get down to what the core of the issue is um and you get some really nice projects that are very focused and enable you to do a very a very quick turnaround and 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 a very nice result let's walk over here and you can introduce me to the third person of the team sitting in the corner Yes, so here we have um, Renette, who's a design engineer, been with us for a couple of years and is working currently on our Next Generation steering wheel project and uh, has uh, has formed quite a lot of uh, new skills in the process. Renette,
1: thanks for for talking to us. Again, I don't expect you to to give away any trade secrets here, and thank goodness we're on radio because I'm looking at some designs for the next generation. Um, What's your background before you came here?
3: Oh, so I did a... um... B Engine Mechanical Engineering and then came to the UK from South Africa to do um, a master's degree in motorsport before um, going into the automotive interiors industry for two years and then uh, then came over here.
1: Um, I know people who have done similar jobs to that who spend most of their lives redesigning a fixing for a uh, cigarette lighter holder or an ashtray or something like that and never get to see the full full project is that one of the benefits of working with performance projects that yes you could be zoomed right in to a small part of a steering wheel but ultimately you you get involved in the bigger project too
3: oh definitely that's exactly it um i think your description of automotive interiors was even more exciting than what i was working on <laughs> so uh, um yeah here i get to be involved in um in absolutely everything i get to do some design i get to do a bit of involvement in purchasing and speaking to suppliers and yeah it's fantastic it's great it's, yeah it's great um it's oh, for
1: me. where and where is where is the is the major challenge for you then going to this next generation as I, I said earlier we you know we have and presumably the customers have a a clear idea of what they think any part of their car is is going to look like do you have to gently Move them down, <laughs> uh, and you is a bit like turning the Titanic sometimes?
3: <laughs> so, um, uh, the one I'm working on currently, um, has not been discussed with any customers, and I think the the challenge with that is that it's it's very conceptual, and in in a way that's a challenge because you you're not exactly sure wh- mm. where to go with it. But it's also great because you've got a lot of freedom. So, um, yeah, it's it's a bit of both really.
1: And and we've got here some of the rapid prototyping that we were talking about downstairs, and and what what. Talk me through that. That's half a steering wheel there. So is that the, that's the right hand side of a steering wheel, is it?
3: Yeah. So, what we've been doing is we've been doing some iterations of, of the steering wheel design and, and especially the ergonomics of the grips and the button positions. And then we have a 3D printer downstairs, which has proven very useful. Mm. So, um, at the end of the day, we, uh, we look at what we have and see if it's useful printing that. And then 3D print it overnight. It's so anything between, for this half a steering wheel, is anything between 8 and 11 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we print it in the morning, come in, to take it off the printer have a look at it, see what it feels like, and then um, instead of just looking at something in 3D CAD environment, it's mm-hmm. it's really great to have a feel and see what works and what doesn't.
1: Without giving too much aware, it looks to me there, is that rather than you using fingers on a steering wheel, that is almost exclusively using the buttons by the right thumb.
3: Um, yes, yeah, so... Uh... We are going to um, implement some more buttons in future, but the the positions of what you do with your thumb is was especially important to us because in previous iterations and other steering wheels we've seen, we don't want you to take your whole hand off the steering wheel to be able to push a push a button. So, um, yeah, we've been doing quite a lot of work on this one for that.
1: So much goes into something that is yes fundamental, but you kind of just think, well, it's a steering wheel, it's got buttons and flappy paddles on it, can't be that good. Um, thank you very much. All right. Keep up thank the good you work.
3: Time thank you very much Uh,
1: let's uh, finish off before we leave um with terence again and the what i'm getting straight away is that you are a a, 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 in some ways a bespoke company that can take on a a brief that can build anything up to full vehicle anything down to well as small as it needs uh, to be done the knowledge that you have gotten the experience that you guys have got through working in motorsport that must be helpful because i know um having worked in motorsport many years ago that you can't change when the chequered flag comes out or worse still when the green lights go out so times delivery working to a brief working to a budget these are all things that you've all had to do in the past and you can bring those skills to play as as well as of uh, all of the
0: practical skills too. Yes, I mean, I've been doing um, F1 cars uh, for the thick end of twenty years. I was in uh, so barely doing... any changes in that time. Then, <laughs> <laughs> so you know the the whole thing of absolutely get it, it has to be right. Hmm. Um, you have to be very good at envisaging what might go wrong. Yes um you know essentially every every car is a, it's a prototype that's out there mm-hmm. um and you have to be better than the other guys and y- you've got to remember you know in all of the teams mm-hmm. there are some very talented guys there mm-hmm. um so you y- you can't Sit back. You know you, you are up against it, it's 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 one of the few um, few industries where, as an engineer, you are in sort of direct competition. You can't you can't blame it on uh, the marketing or you okay. know the reason this car wasn't fast was because of the marketing. It was your design. Mm. Now
1: you're sitting here right in the middle of the UK. Um, do you have international aspirations? Do you have international customers? Uh,
0: we do i'm certainly for the morgan stuff we ship all over the world for that and i'm trying to think uh internationally well i used to live in germany used to work for a toyota f1 back in the day yeah um Wow, that's a place and a half, isn't
1: it? Down people riding around on bicycles because the corridors are so big. Yes, yeah,
0: a fantastic place to work. Probably the best place I worked, actually.
1: And, and a complete contrast here, then, working in a relatively small unit with just you know four, five, five people. Where would you like the business to be, Performance Projects, in five years' time? And is there a is there a unicorn out there that is a project that you'd really like to do? And and yeah, come on, you can jump in on
0: this as well. <laughs> uh, it's hard to say. The, the old um, Chris and I have uh, different opinions on this. He has sort of oh, excellent. <laughs> he has ideas of we should be this big and whatever that turnover. And I just say, I'm just saying, oh, I just want a nice big yacht in the mid. Actually,
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it won't be long before you can three D print one of one of those and sail off into the sunset. Chris, in, in terms of. forward planning it's a volatile business in automotive and motorsport so that is actually quite difficult so building relationships with current uh, customers and and identifying new ones of course that's going to be absolutely at the top of the list but is there something out there is that unicorn out there that you'd really like to get your teeth into for performance projects
2: well i think for performance projects we're, we're very interested in the In the design aspect, we like innovation. We like to challenge ourselves with new ideas. And as a company size, we definitely want to maintain the flexibility of a a small. Um, but very skilled workforce uh, so that works very well for us and a lot of the things we're working on have an amount of know-how and, and IP and certainly if we can develop these ideas um, a lot of that's owned directly by our customers when they want it and that's great because it's interesting work and some of it is, is work that we're putting in like like with the next generation products where, where we put it in, we invest in that and then obviously that, that that's an investment in the future for us mm. so I think keeping the company flexible, these, these new ideas and, and certainly, the we, we love niche automotive in whatever guise it has, motorsport and, and, and road and uh, and indeed off road. And so, those kinds of projects, I think they'll always uh, float our boat, as it were. Mm-hmm. And they'll be the things we really want to develop in the future.
1: Well, you might not have heard of performance projects in terms of uh, big name international corporations. It may never be that, and maybe it never really wants to be that, but. The bits and pieces that are going on here are far too clever to stay in the dark. Gentlemen, lady, thank you very much indeed for having us here for this inside story of performance projects right in the middle of the carbon fibre triangle here at Silverstone.
0: This programme is a Radio Show Limited production.
3: Tell your friends there's more
1: at RadioLemond.com.